this is my life. It always will be. There's nothing else. Just us. And the cameras. And those wonderful people out there in the dark. All right, Mr. DeMille, I'm ready for my close-up. Welcome back to yet another episode of Ready for Close-Up. I'm again with Andy. Hi, Andy. Hi, Sam. But this time we're actually together again, having just seen a movie at Zurich's Film Podium, the city's main repertory theater. We figured this time we wanted to try a fresh off-the-press film review, and we've chosen the highly controversial 1960 British psychothriller Peeping Tom by director Michael Powell. But first we thought we'd talk more generally about psychothrillers as a genre, and which movies were most influential among them. Obviously, no one can discuss this without making reference to Hitchcock's Psycho as the mother of all thrillers. What's fascinating, however, is that Peeping Tom was produced and released around exact the same time as Psycho, but due to the scandal it caused, it never reached the popularity at the time. However, since then it has gained esteem as a cult classic and is revered by many as just as good as Hitchcock. So if Psycho is the mother, is Peeping Tom then the father of all psycho thrillers? Listen to us to find out. But first of all, Andy, what are your favorite psychothrillers and what do you love about them? Great psychothrillers deal very often, as the name suggests, with psychological tensions of characters in unpredictable ways. These movies focus on story and character's development, and very often the protagonist's mental state is put into question. What is imagined? What is the perception of reality? How is it distorted or not? At the center of these movies are often tropes like death, perception, identity, and the mind, and characters have an inner struggle or a moral dilemma. Amongst my favorite psychothrillers are certainly les diaboliques from Henri Georges Clouseau from 1955, so maybe even the grandfather of them all, and What Lies Beneath from Robert Zemeckis with Harrison Ford and Michelle Pfeiffer from 2000, or Black Swan from Darren Aronofsky. All movies where the mental state of the female protagonist is constantly questioned and subverted. Identity by James Mangold gives a great psychothriller spin to an old Agatha Christie trope and is playing with the aforementioned themes of mental health, violence, slash murder, and a distorted reality. And basically everything David Fincher puts out, from Seven, Zodiac, to Gone Girl. These movies are playing with audiences' expectations and creating sympathy for antagonists and unreliable characters. Your definition actually perfectly fits with one of my all-time favorite psycho-thrillers. A trilogy, actually. Polanski's so-called apartment trilogy, including Repulsion with Catherine Deneuve, Rosemary's Baby, starring Mia Farrow, and especially The Tenant, starring Polanski himself. What I always loved about the genre was that it was rule and moral boundary breaking, without resorting only to pornography or strong language. Even though both Psycho and Peeping Tom have their fair share of taboo-breaking depictions of nudity, sexuality and sexual deviancy. In that sense, even though there were some great thrillers before the 1960s, there is literally an explosion of horror and psycho thrillers after Hitchcock's Psycho, and suddenly everything was possible. The serial killer became a staple character, murder scenes became a field of cinematic creativity, and so did thriller soundtracks. Every potential psychological state became inhabited by a famous or infamous psychopath, and often audiences were left dangling without cases necessarily neatly solved in the end. Besides Psycho, which I think is just still superb, 
and works still with young and older audiences alike. I love the addition of killer thrillers, for instance in France, like Henri Verneuil's Peur sur la Ville, and Italy, especially the jolly discussed last time in connection with Morricone's music. Those highly aestheticized crime thrillers, serial killer epics with leather-gloved hands, creepy music, and incredible sect pieces taking center stage. Brian De Palma's Hitchcock imitations doing the same thing in Hollywood later on. Interestingly, still today, directors seem to fall back on these tropes, looking at Fincher's Seven or Zodiac that you mentioned, or later horror series like Saw, Hostel, etc. A few favorites over the years for me include Sounds of the Lambs, Misery, but also more recently, another one that you mentioned, Black Swan or Get Out by Jordan Peele, who seems to be one of the new, interesting and really taboo-breaking masters of the genre. So again, psychothrillers seem to have the potential to break new ground and lay bare social boundaries, be they psychological deviancy in the 60s or systemic racism in the 2010s. Andy, you've just recently rewatched Psycho. And before we delve deeper into Peeping Tom, what were your main takeaways from the mother of all psychothrillers? Psycho is one of those towering monuments in movie history and was highly influential for a whole genre. And even though you might have never even seen the movie itself, you're familiar with certain elements that have become truly iconic. For example, the shower scene, the house on the hill, the music, etc. Upon rewatching, I noticed that the movie itself doesn't feel very grand or epic in a cinematic sense. It has a very B-movie feel and look, shot with a lower budget and in black and white, as opposed to Hitchcock's previous films. But it is clearly directed by a mastermind, so the direction is sleek, and the story pushes forward until the chilling revelation. The movie's great in creating this uncanny atmosphere in very banal scenes, and even though the violence is sparse and punctuated throughout the movie, the tension is almost always palpable. It has aged very well in my opinion, and it's definitely worth a watch. I can definitely not add anything to that quick analysis of Psycho. And now let's talk Peeping Tom though. Look out! being watched. We repeat, take care, for you are now alone with a killer. We warn you, don't let him see the fear in your eyes, for this is what he seeks, and this is why he kills. Where are you? Peeping Tom is a British film directed by Michael Powell, a director who had become famous with other movies such as The Red Shoes earlier on in the 1940s and 50s. And Peeping Tom, his 1960 psychothriller, caused a real scandal at the time. Maybe Andy, can you take us through the plot of the film first? Mark Lewis, played by Karl-Heinz Böhm, works as a focus puller in a British film studio. As a side job, he provides pornographic photos to local sex shops and tries his hand at filmmaking. He's withdrawn and repressed, yet obsessed with the effect of fear and how it shows itself on the faces of the frightened. This obsession goes back to his childhood when his scientist father conducted experiments in terror on him, frightening him to death. As an adult, Mark becomes a compulsive murderer who kills women and records their terror and last moments on 16mm film. He wants to create a documentary on fear and therefore stalks movie starlets and prostitutes and records their faces while murdering them with a knife hidden away in his tripod. Home alone, he then watches the results of his deadly work. Only when Anna Massey's character starts taking an interest does his world dangerously crumble. Look out for Carl Byrne as the peeping Tom. Fear him, 
But pity him also. It's no good. Watch out for Moira Shearer as the lovely stand-in who innocently dances into danger. Imagine. Someone coming towards you who wants to kill you. Regardless of consequences. A madman? Yes. Wait! Anna Massey is the girl who falls victim to the charms of a lonely stranger upstairs. Switch it off, Mark! Mark, switch it off! Well, certainly for German-speaking audiences, the casting of Karl-Heinz Böhm as Peeping Tom Mark Lewis might come as a complete surprise. Listed here as Karl Böhm, apparently the role in Peeping Tom was to break away from his indelible image as the young emperor Franz Josef in the sissy movies of the 1950s. Huge successes of Austrian and German post-war cinema, but apparently golden cages for both their stars, Romy Schneider and Böhm. However, whereas Schneider launched a successful new career in France in the 60s and especially the 1970s, Böhm seems to have sealed his fate starring Peeping Tom. As many say, it meant the death of his second movie career. It's astonishing to see him here anyway, given his unexplained strong Austrian accent. But his performance is nonetheless mesmerizing, and in my opinion, even more disturbing than Anthony Perkins as Norman Bates in Psycho. Moyer Scherer, who started off as a ballet dancer, starred in several of Michael Powell's films most notably The Red Shoes and The Tales of Hoffman, but also her career basically ended after having done Peeping Tom. The only one to continue her career for long after is Anna Massey, whose quirky looks not only stick out in Peeping Tom, but later fascinated Hitchcock himself when he cast her for his last great success, another necktie murder psycho thriller, Frenzy, in 1972. She made movies until her death in 2011, deliciously so, starring, for instance, as ditzy Miss Prism in Rupert Everett adaptation of Oscar Wilde's Importance of Being Earnest. She always makes an impression for sure and Peeping Tom is no exception. One cast member of course must not be forgotten, Michael Powell himself, who very controversially cast himself in the role of Mark Lewis' abusive father in the film. No coincidence for sure if we look at the influence of Mark's father for his psychological state since childhood. So harking back to the central part the mother plays in Psycho, even though there's an important mother character in Peeping Tom as well, the mother of all psycho thrillers is psycho so we can truly say that this is in that sense the fatherly or unfatherly counterpart with the father triggering anxiety and mass murder in his son so andy after having seen peeping tom what did you think of it i think it felt very modern this obsession of the main character with cameras and filming and transmitting his feelings or his obsessions on a medium like camera and filming and re-watching what he just did it feels very current in the time of social media and selfie cameras and and mobile phones so I think viewing this now in 2020 it feels very fresh somehow this obsession on technology and yeah migrating the fears and the suppressions and the feelings on another medium so this was for me very surprising I remember having seen the movie a few years ago and it felt the same and I wasn't thinking about social media at the time so I think part of it is also the way it's been produced and I'm always surprised to see a British film from an 
era where we mostly know Hollywood productions. And I think in that sense, Michael Powell really created something almost timeless that he puts a character like Mark Lewis at the center. And then he goes out and explores the world here using his camera and seeing things that I think normally you wouldn't see in a film. So what did you think? Because we know that Peeping Tom caused such a scandal about the subject matter that it showed. Did that also feel very modern to you? I think murder and killing and I think the sensationalism of death is always something that is scandalous. I think this is not losing losing its shock value in any age. But I think the way, and this is what you described before, and this is what makes the movie really modern, is this really unfiltered focus on this need to reproduce this terror. Because I think the murder is something that, that happens in, in a moment of time and then it's gone. And then when the killer has his camera and he's filming his murder, so this is like this sense of reproduction. When violence happens, there's always cameras flashing and we always get images. So I think the comment this movie makes that images are stronger than our imagination makes it so timeless. And in a way, if you see Mark Lewis standing outside the murder scenes and then filming them afterwards for his documentary, it could just as well be someone with his or her cell phone out Absolutely. filming. And in, in this movie, he's the only one. But actually, we've all become peeping toms of that kind. We all could be in such a situation standing by and just filming it. But I think here the reflection is really on him. And I think what's shocking, or to me, what's most shocking about Peeping Tom is not necessarily seeing the, the murder scenes because those are quite simplistic in a way and they repeat themselves. But I think the shocking thing for me is always what it causes in Mark Lewis when he watches it at home, when he sets it up, when he gets in the mood and makes sure that no one enters the apartment and then later on shares his experience with Anna Massey's character. So that really has a disturbing quality still until today that I felt really worked this time I saw it. I would also say that from a shock value, I think the violence, if you want to compare it to Psycho, is much, much stronger in Psycho. This famous shower scene with these hard cuts and Janet Lee being stabbed and you see the blood running down and like it's really more gruesome, more graphic in a way and more dramatic. And I think in Peeping Tom, the murder scenes, they're very, I don't want to say they're tame, but I think they're not as graphic and not as splashy as, I don't want to say they have to be, or I don't think they need to be, but I think they're not that gory. That's right. And I felt they were kind of tame in a way. And you found out how it's done after a while using that tripod. But then of course, at the end, we also have that at least minor reveal that he also put a kind of a, a distorted mirror in front of their faces and made his victims watch their death in that mirror so they saw themselves die, which then adds another kind of gruesome element to it, which wasn't expected and which I had already completely forgotten about. What did you think of the plot as a whole? I think the movie works very well in this psychological analysis of the main character, but what did you think of the story itself, the crime or of the policemen that come in? Or It had the elements of a crime movie, you know, with those inspectors and someone tailing him and several victims, several murders happening. But I didn't feel there was much of a plot, actually. It was mostly focused, really, and also my interest was mostly focused on 
him as a character and Helen, played by Anna Massey, slowly approaching the inside of mm. his psyche and, of course, the inside of his studio. And an interesting element coming in then later on was also the mother of Anna Massey's character, who seems to be just a plain drunk at the beginning. And I didn't even understand that she was blind <laughs> to begin with. I okay. don't know what, what if you had picked up on that. But, of course, it added an extra layer of interest later on when I realized that she is blind and that she actually sneaked her way up to his apartment and waited for him in the dark. I'd forgotten about her character altogether, but it was quite shocking to have that interaction between the blind woman and, of course, the man with the camera. Yeah. I thought that was quite brilliant. Yeah, I think this was, to me, one of the most powerful scenes, actually, in this film studio, the blind mother with him, and also this, she wants him to tell what he sees in the film, and the film is running, and he sees the murder, but he doesn't explain her what he's seeing. And I think this was a really, for me at least, a very uh, emotionally strong moment of the movie. So in a way, this mother character is really there to even like, accentuate the obsession, the main character has because it really comes from a completely different angle and really creates these really interesting juxtapositions and comparisons. And you mentioned also the emotionality of it and that's something that also sets it apart from Psycho which remains a very cold movie up until the end. I mean you might empathize with Norman Bates but in fact there's not much of an emotional connection and here I felt you connect even to all three characters that are important like to Mark Lewis. He's very warm in a way and very troubled and you kind of also feel you want to connect to him and you want to understand him and then you also want to kind of save Anna Massey from getting too close to him even though you understand her feelings for him and you also empathize more and more with the mother who wants to protect her daughter but also takes an interest in what she hears upstairs every night as a blind woman who has an extra sense for what's going on above her and we only find out later that his studio is actually just above her room so she must have heard the camera and she must have mm. heard his steps and she even analyzes these steps so there's really a level of emotional involvement that maybe makes it even more profoundly disturbing than seeing the cold irrationality of psycho of course you know the twist of psycho but here in peeping tom you know basically the minute the movie starts that he is the killer so this is also something that might have been very modern at the time and has been reproduced ever since that there's not real a suspense element on who is the killer or who might be it so this also links back what you said that it's not really feels like a crime procedural so you get this sympathy with Mark Lewis the main character who is a disturbed killer from the beginning and I think this is also something that is a little bit different to Psycho where you're for a very long time in this ambiguity okay Norman Bates and what's the relationship with that mother and why we never see this mother and there is another element of suspense in Psycho, I think, which somehow is missing in, in Peeping Tom, but it's not necessarily a negative point, I would say. I think it's just a very different approach also to empathize with the main character. I think from what I read, it was also one of the main problems with the reception of the movie, that they couldn't tolerate that there was a killer that seemed nice and warm and you wanted to help him but then he turned out to be this psychopath and re remains this psychopath until the very end what i noticed this time in the movie which also made it an interesting experiment and of course also in in and about filmmaking was the use of music because of course in psycho you all have super famous murder music here the music kind of seems 
strangely offsetting. I always had the impression I was somewhat in a silent movie. And I was wondering, did you have a similar impression? No, the music, I think there's different elements of music in the movie. And of course, this, this somehow free jazzy piano right. that is very unnerving, as you say. But I think this is very well punctuated in the movie. And I think it really added this drive and this inner urge of, of Mark Lewis to do his things, to, to kill or, you know, as I think the, the movie had a really interesting soundtrack who also had a different function than in Psycho, I think. In Psycho, it's super atmosphere-driven and it's really creating whole scenes, even nothing happens. And here, it really, it comes and goes, but when it comes, it's really startling. It's really there. Mm -hmm. So I, f I thought the music was really powerful. They're both really intense, powerful soundtracks, but you say very correctly, they're very different in function and style. I was just wondering because the scenes that he films are also without sound. So maybe I had this association with silent movie that a lot was just what you see on the screen then plus the, the music that is put over it. But of course, it also accentuates his fears and the fears of his victims at the same time. Michael Powell put himself in that role of the father and putting these experiments in the movie, of course, is pretty central in understanding what Mark Lewis's character is all about. So did you get some kind of a level about filmmaking, about voyeurism, about us as the audience? Did you get that meta level in that movie? You need to know how Michael Powell looks like to understand that he's right. playing the father. So I think this is really a high level of cinematic wisdom or knowledge that you need to have and I'm not quite sure if it adds or changes anything if I know that or I don't know that. I would say though that there is a strong commentary on this voyeurism and that we, maybe Powell's idea was more really talking from a filmmaker's point of view and for us 60 years later since we're all these little directors of our lives on social media it has another meaning so there's a different layer there as well but yeah there's definitely a commentary on voyeurism on and also something that came after this movie like that came like with reality TV with all these taboos that were broken in, in movie and TV and also the rise of social media and the internet so I think this movie is really somehow seeing things that we didn't or an audience in 1960 couldn't and I think this, that's why the movie still feels so fresh because it still makes a commentary about us that's a really interesting point what you say about watching the movie from today's perspective because if we watch the movie the way it is there's also a couple of really old-fashioned things to our eyes for instance these news agents slash sex shops mm. and there's almost a comedic scene at the beginning with a guy buying newspapers but then also buying special pictures and also the filmmaking seems oddly comedic in the movie didn't you also feel that sometimes there were moments of comedy and they were somehow i don't know if they were in the right or in the wrong place but those light moments seemed very much in contrast and sometimes even increasing the outsider status of Mark Lewis because he seemed to be working very professionally in that setting and for that news agent, but he was somehow the odd one out. He never quite fit in that strange world of filmmaking and of CD sex shops. I think especially the scenes on the movie set, it's really interesting what you say because it's exactly, it feels very 60s, it feels very dated, and then and the actors fainting and they never get the take right. So it, it really feels like from these 
something out of these, yeah, these Dean Martin comedy movies of the time. And yet this Mark Lewis character is so modern. So, yeah, as you say, it's detached from all this. It makes him, I think, in that context, a weird outsider. But for us, we sympathize more with him because the, the all around is, is just very cliche and goofy. So we've all become more Mark Lewis than any other characters in the movie. Well, I have to say that it's also partly due to Karl Heinz performance uh, that I strongly associated with him and, and rooted with him. And they were quite strong performances altogether, at least from those three main characters that we mentioned, the mother, um, Anna Massey, and Karl-Heinz Böhm. He's super intense. I mean, look at his eyes and how they punctuated his eyes in many of the scenes and the relationship he has with his camera and how withdrawn and scared he seemed, but also how he was then slowly opening up a little bit. And I think that process was interrupted and it's kind of the tragic part of the movie and also of the ending of the movie that in a way he starts to approach Anamassi and he, he gives away his camera for over a couple of hours when they go for dinner and then somehow because of the events unfolding and of course because of his continued murders he is then chased by police and then of course the ending happens and maybe we could talk about the ending also because I had forgotten about it I couldn't have said what the ending exactly is and it came back very strongly to me what it was, and I felt it was quite heartbreaking. How did you feel about it? Put that camera away! There is no future for anyone who tries to befriend him. He invades the privacy of innocent people till the piercing eyes of his camera meet the terrified eyes of his victims. And with a compulsion akin to madness, he shoots the final fearful scene. Yeah, I think it was the ultimate consequence of all his actions. So in that sense, it really felt very consequential. It was very round. It w of course, it was dramatic and tragic and exaggerated, maybe, because you always feel that he's in control of what he's doing and he's very calm and at work. He knows what he does. And just when he has these voyeuristic desires and this killing, <laughs> he gets out of his calm demeanor. So I think also then the last scene where he's, he's still going with this very rational and precise okay this now happened now I need to do this and this and this to complete my mission of creating this documentary and fear and I'm the ultimate victim basically mm -hmm. so this is what he planned already he switches on all these cameras and and kills himself basically in front of the cameras it's very powerful as, as a movie image per se but it's also the last consequence of all what came before and it made for a very strong ending I thought mm -hmm. I think these elements click into place and his planning of it and our realization that he had planned it so well together with the recordings of his voices as a boy and then of course the movie also fading away and you see the reel still spinning and then you hear the sound of the boy voice talking to his father i thought that was like really strong i think what what an ending that was you know if you if you look at norman bates sitting there basically as his mother and talking about not swatting the fly and then you see in comparison that scene those are two extremely powerful endings and it's a somewhat sad fact that peeping tom was so unsuccessful at the time and that it's more of a cult classic than a popular classic like Psycho but they're a really great companion piece I think I was even struck by some of the parallel moments you know in, in characters and constellations but I think really two powerful examples and probably truly so the mother and father of psycho thrillers absolutely 
couldn't agree more. <laughs> well, I think that wraps it up. Our trial episode of doing a review fresh after the movie. And outdoor. And outdoor, as you might have heard, there were all kinds of things going on around us. But I think it's just like with Peeping Tom. We were just out there with people passing. We were observing, doing our thing. And we might do it again. What do you think? Absolutely. So have a pleasant night, everyone. And hear you next time. When we are again ready for close-up. Good night, Daddy. All my hands.